What do you do when you see charity workers collecting in the street? Or maybe you've been a bucket shaker on behalf of a charity. In this episode, we're making conversations about giving count. What's new, Wendy Wu? We're launching the telephone influence quiz last week as a tool to help you see what areas you may need to improve on. I have to say thank you to everybody that has taken the test so far. It's led to some wonderful exchanges on email and some conversations and a couple of one-to-ones in the diary. So do look out for that on the makingconversationscount.com site. It is super, super exciting when we see the episodes being shared on social media to all of your friends, family and business colleagues. We're going to have a sort of contest. We're having some ideas here in the studio about how we can reward you, the listeners, for that. But more on that will come soon. We know that we are reaching the globe with this show and I'm just so super excited to have charted in Colombia. So thank you to the listeners in Colombia. Give us a shout out and we'll mention you next time. We received this review after Sarah Townsend's episode last week from Matt in Warwick. I just wanted to let you know I bought Sarah Townsend's book, Survival Skills for Freelancers. I loved the conversation you had and I agree so much on the importance of outsourcing. If only I had a pound for every person who told me they didn't need any help because I'd no longer have a job as I'm a freelance web designer. Matt, I totally understand where you're coming from when people say they don't need help picking up the phone and yet then they don't pick up the phone. Lots of pounds coming your way, Matt. Hi, Wendy Wu. Question for you. Who would you love most to have a conversation with and why? Well, thank you, Don, in Brighton for asking that question. You've had me scratching my head. And whilst there's a few people that I could think of, That's a little bit like inviting, you know, people to a dinner party and having dinner with people that are either alive or not. But I think I'm going to answer with Michelle Obama, simply because she also puts conversations front and centre in all that she does. An incredible inspiration for women and for the world, really. So I can't imagine what we would get talking about, but I'm sure you'd want to be a fly on the wall, Dom. Now it's the time that you've all been waiting for. Time to introduce today's guest, Masami Sato of B1G1. Now B1G1 stands for Buy One, Give One. And it's a charity-based organisation where even business owners that are solopreneurs, single entrepreneurs, can get involved and tick that box for corporate social responsibility. Masami has travelled the world and seen where her knowledge and her humanity can help support in places where the economics are maybe suffering a little. There's some great projects that they're involved with and I've certainly signed up myself to support Masami in her mission to be giving. B1G1 stands for an idea of buy one, give one. 
And we create a world where everything businesses do makes a difference. So, you know, if you just imagine uh, if uh, every time you have a cup of coffee, a child receives access to life-saving water for a day, or every time you read a book, then a tree gets planted, or every time you go to see your healthcare provider, then somebody else receives access to life-saving medical care for a day. Or So this is the world of B1G1, where everything that happens in the world will create a tangible impact. And we do this by helping businesses find ways to integrate effective giving in their business activities. So since starting in 2007, we've worked with um, thousands of businesses, and these businesses have already created more than 230 million (laughs) giving impacts to date. So that's 230 million impacts. That is incredible, Masami. You must be incredibly proud of what you've started there. Well, actually, like rather than uh, the feeling of proudness, I think this is, uh, you know, the feeling of gratitude because B1G1 is an idea, uh, you know, in 2007. And since then, so many businesses have believed in this idea and joined us to actually make those impacts and continue to give. And that's the result of, you know, that we we call power of small, like small businesses, small day-to-day actions, making a real impact in the world. So we feel very lucky to be able to uh, do something like this and to work with and connect with so many amazing business people around the world. I would call that making conversations about impact count. I mean, 230 million actions. That's an awful lot of conversations that you've had and affecting an awful lot of change as well. Not just the business. I mean, from a business corporate social responsibility point of view, which is, you know, a key part of any business's culture, or if it's not, it really should be. I would really encourage people to have that conversation with you, Masami, to say, right, how would you want to make the change and how can we help you create it? Obviously, world domination has to be at the top of your agenda to make this, you know, truly a global phenomenon that everybody gets involved with. But what are you working on right now? Actually, 2020 was a very, very interesting year because, you know, of course, when we are working on something like a giving initiative, then pandemic hit and so many businesses get uh, affected by what was going on in the world. Then, you know, we experienced like uh, many different challenges during that time. But what we realized was quite quickly in mid-year, even though we were, you know, still dealing with the pandemic, businesses were still challenged. The giving in B1G1 started to grow again. And then we had actually record quarter in the last part of 2020. So this really shows the kind of hope, you know, that actually there is so much desire to make a difference in the world and people want to do something. And so moving forward, we need to unite and come together to work more closely, and then also to create greater impact because we actually don't have so much time. If we think about really the sustainability of the world, then we got to be uh, mobilizing our businesses to do more and to make a more, you know, more of a difference. 
So looking at the things like uh, the global goals, you know, the sustainable development goals and how like we are coming together to make a meaningful difference in so many different areas of our world. I believe that the next decade is going to be the year of really scaling our effort by working with more businesses, bringing more causes in this platform, and then to help create more meaningful impacts and do it faster. So that's kind of our uh, ambition and plan coming forward, (laughs) moving forward. Well, this is true. I mean, I was only reading the other day because we've not long had a World Earth Day. It's always been a topic of interest for me, you know, sustainability in all things. Everything that we affect or touch is something of importance. And I was reading that just planting trees now is not going to be enough which is, you know, it's a bit of a stock answer, isn't it? Well, you know, if I'm going to buy a pack of toilet roll, they'll plant a tree for me. It's kind of not enough anymore. So I think it's great that there are initiatives like yours, Masami, that will, you know, showcase and be a headline for what we do need to do, because much more does need to be done. I understand that. So, I mean, I'm a small business. There's just, there's me and my daughter works a little bit for me. So, What would be one of the simplest things that I could do as a business that could make a change and pledge that to you today, Masami? With people in small business, like people running a small business, for example, may think that they would do something great one day, you know, when become more successful or when their business is bigger. Or So it's easy to postpone what we want to do to future time. And that's like a very natural human behavior. And so, but the thing is, actually, if we don't try to do big things, and if we only identify little things that we can do, then doing those little things is not that difficult to do. And it's possible to do. So the same thing happened to me when I was running my previous company, uh, which was a food business before I started to be one to one that I wanted to make a difference with my business. But then even though my business was growing, I felt that our company wasn't ready you know, to do something big. So as a result, we weren't doing anything uh, much in terms of our global impact or you know, community impact. So the idea of B1G1 is that instead of you know, doing a big thing, we help businesses to do little things, such as a food company might say, every meal we serve, then we give a meal or we educate a child or we give health care for a day. or So they can identify the micro impact that they can create uh, on a day-to-day basis and make it part of business activities. You know, if a company is, you know, doing something like a service-based business and not necessarily product-based business, they don't need to worry about doing B1G1 in a typical one-for-one way because it's not really about giving what you are selling, Tom's Shoes, initial model of Tom's Shoes, but it's about really identifying the business activities that happen and then embedding impact to those things. So, for example, I, as a business owner, not only that our company gives, but for everything, like every meeting I have on Zoom, I actually do something you know, meaningful. And it could be educating a child, helping educate a child, or, you know, could be planting a tree or could be helping in the wildlife. So actually anything is possible if we identify small things that we could do every day and then make it happen. And then actually B1G1 project that we list uh, start with 
just one cent, like or ten cent, or a few dollars, or ten dollars. So if we are not worried about making a huge difference, then making a little impact on a day-to-day basis is actually possible and not not that hard. There's a few phrases that are running around my head right now, and that is in England, certainly in the UK, we we have a saying: "Pay it forward." I'm notorious at buying books because I do believe that I only have one pair of feet. So I only really should have two or three pairs of shoes. But books is kind of like my secret pleasure. I'm running out of bookshelf space. I really ought to pay forward the books that I've read on to somebody else so that they get the benefit of it. And that would make a big difference. And that's almost coming to another phrase that I can think of, which is like, if you look after the pennies, the pounds look after themselves. That's another sort of UKism that, you know, for every penny that you save, if you do that a hundred times, you have a pound, which is something that you can put towards something. It'll make a difference once it grows. And certainly in the UK, if I'm correct, I know that we're probably sort of owner-managed businesses is a huge population of businesses in the millions of people. If we all put together, that would be more millions of actions towards a positive change. So I'm getting on board with this, Masami. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it's a fantastic concept. And you mentioned the food industry before. I did have a quick little Google on YouTube and I saw you and you quite handy in the kitchen from what I remember. And my first husband was a chef and I met him through waitressing and things like that. So it's a fascinating arena to be in. And I think it's a great grounder for lots of conversation because you can be cooking for people and the communication in the kitchen has to be really tight. But also when it's dealing with the customers, you want them to have an experience. So the conversation really is what I would call as the success, because even if somebody has a bad meal, if they have a good experience, they can actually forgive you for the bad meal. But if they have a bad conversation, they'll never forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you miss the hospitality side of things? Is that still a business that's going on for you, Masami? Uh, no, no. When, uh, you know, we eventually identified the concept of B1G1. And then also I realized that uh, even though that idea of B1G1 was transforming for our business, when we decided that we will actually give a meal to a child in need for every meal we sold. And that was like, a, you know, really transformative for our own company. But I also realized that uh, there were many other business people, you know, starting different businesses because they are passionate about different kinds of things in their lives. And that's why the world is full of so many different kinds of businesses. So I eventually realized that it would be far more uh, meaningful to find a way to make this idea something that is easy to do for any business. And so when I realized that, I finally decided to sell my own company. And at that time, I was in Australia um, running this business for like five years. But then after that, we decided to move to Singapore to start the B1G1 as a giving initiative, global giving initiative. So since then, I haven't been in food business and I've, I've been in the business of giving. I do miss something about the physical work, you know, like being in the hands-on like uh, industry. But then I still don't miss it too much because when we were in the 
business of giving, we get to experience all of the amazing things that would happen in a hospitality business, which is to really care for people and to serve people, make people feel great about what they are doing. So what we do today in B1G1 helps businesses to really like find their own sense of purpose and connect that with their day-to-day activities and express it the intangible impact that happens in the world. So I feel that the, you know, this business can kind of cover all of the aspects of the joy of business. It's certainly an enriching experience. It doesn't matter who it is that you're in touch with, that you are kind of soaking up that gratitude from all aspects, aren't you? must be a truly wonderful thing to wake up every morning and know that you're going to be making such a, a massive change and an impact for for us all, you know. So in some small way, you have affected me without <laughs> knowing it. And that's the incredible thing, isn't it? It's kind of like that invisible magic around what it is that you're doing. It's like a superpower. Every guest that comes on the show, Masami, I always ask them to think about a conversation that created a turning point for them in their life and career and uh, and what happened afterwards. So, Masami, what was that conversation that you have? Mm, okay, so the first one I can think of is the connection that I had with people or someone when I was traveling around the backpacking as a young, you know, female Japanese backpacker, and the uh, particular one was in actually in India and also Central America, because as a you know backpacker, I had a, a very little budget and I didn't you know speak the language local people uh, spoke when I was traveling, and my English wasn't that good either. So I had a struggle communicating with people with language. But then wherever I went, I was very curious. So I managed to connect with people through a very simple thing like sharing the food together or, you know, just uh, doing something together. So there were so many moments when people invited me to come to their house to eat meals with them or stay with them and things like that happened quite a lot. So there were moments when I was invited to the house of, uh, you know, somebody who had a very humble life and their kids uh, didn't have a lot. They were struggling to feed their own family. But then when I visited their house, they were so proud and they tried to share the meal with me. And that was the moment when I initially felt a little bit overwhelmed and confused because I didn't want to take away what little they had, right, by eating their food. But the generosity (laughs) is hard to turn down, isn't it? Because then you would offend them. When I had that experience and then really like reflecting on the things that I saw on the ground, like, for example, uh, in certain countries like India or Guatemala or Costa Rica, or there were children who didn't even go to school, you know, who couldn't finish primary school education because they were in the field working or begging on the street or something. And then I thought, like, why is this happening? Right? Like, and so, but then at the same time, when I, uh, were, when I was in places where people had more, In those countries too, I met with people who didn't feel totally fulfilled with what they had, even though they had more or they had enough. So 
this like confusion of what was going on and why things didn't really make sense, you know, it was bugging me. But the moment when I started to meet with people who were generous, even though they had very little, I started to have a sense that actually how, what makes us really feel happy or fulfilled is not necessarily about how much things we had or how little we had, but it's more about how we felt about the sharing and being caring and generous. So these generous and caring people, wherever I went, seems to be very happier and more fulfilled. So that was the kind of like a main question I had. And then years later, when I started my own business, and eventually it turned into social enterprise, you know, uh, the giving initiative, I re always reflected on that and realized that if we help businesses give or people give and make them feel more generous, then they find that true sense of joy and purpose, and that helps them to do more whether to grow the business or to aim to give more or to care for the people that they work with. And so, yeah, so that conversation and interactions that I had back then, backpacking, <laughs> was uh, transformative for me. I agree. I think a similar experience when I went to Kenya in 2007 a beautifully rich environment with, you know, some of the world's iconic animals in national parks and things like that. But we travelled about 2,000 kilometres by road in a week and we went right across Kenya in a big ring through the capital of Nairobi up to the hills where they were growing coffee and the diversity of culture and currency, how money affects the changes that you see with your own eyes, you know, with children with no shoes on and, you know, barely a scrap of clothing with their hands held out because they really haven't got much. To businessmen who clearly didn't look like they needed a square meal, they'd had plenty, dripping in jewellery. And I think it's that extreme, isn't it? I struggle with that, that I'm quite happy with what I have because I have more than I need. And I'm always grateful for that. I will always say, you know, oh, no, you, you have it. <laughs> because that makes me feel I can share. That's what I am able to do. And I think that's, that's important when you go and meet new people. And whilst you say language was something that was a bit of a challenge, in actual fact, our body language and, and our expression of face speaks volumes, doesn't it? We're going to put in the show notes how to get in touch with you, how people can continue to do more by B1, G1. But if people want to carry on the conversation with you directly, where is the best place for them to come and find you? There are two places that you can go to. One is our website, b1g1.com. Right. Then uh, you can find everything about B1J1 and all the stories of our members and what it causes there. If you want to follow me or connect with me directly, then you can go to LinkedIn and find me on LinkedIn. Then I will be delighted to connect with you. That's fabulous. <laughs> well, Masami, thank you so much again for being on the show. Don't forget, Apple Podcasts, you need to be clicking 
the top right of the podcast page, click follow and then use the settings for automatic downloads. So you'll definitely get told about future episodes as they're released. On Spotify, click the little square button. I can't say it's the big green button anymore because they've changed it. This is how platforms move on so quickly. Next week's guest is Anne Hobbs. You can give them all the content, but they won't necessarily take it into action. It's really for that book. So you're covering the whole range of clients, aren't you? People that aren't ready and the people that are ready. Don't forget, you can also buy my book at makingconversationscount.com. Book a one-to-one or just book a chinwag. But you can also go there and listen to all the episodes you've missed. And don't forget, guests often leave resources, free tips and offers, especially for the show listeners.